Hello, dear friends. This is Pastor Evangelist Robert Venable. It is time for Let's Talk About Jesus right here on our website. If you recognize the theme song, then you are a return listener. And we are so glad that you have come back to be with us once again in a Bible study that is very important and very relevant to to what God's will is for us as Christians in the middle of this crisis that we are in. Uh, we are not to be distracted and not to be diverted from the the real issues. And is there's something go- going on, something at stake more than this pandemic right now. Uh, and we need to be focused, extremely focused, on what God would have us to be doing. Uh, I'm deeply concerned that we are going to be distracted from that that God has as the as the most important thing that we should be doing as Christians, as believers right now. Yes, we should be interceding for the, the, the nation and the nations of the world, our nation. Yes, we should be deeply concerned about this upcoming election uh, and, and, and the ramifications of whoever is going to be the, the leader for the next four years of this nation. We should be praying for kings and those that are in authority. And that's part of the context of the text that we're going to bring you today. Yes, we should be praying uh, for, for the economy and we should be praying for the people who are hurting who are who this Christmas season who have lost loved ones to this pandemic uh, and and uh, and it's not over yes we should be praying for God to intervene uh, so that we can have a window of opportunity to be free from all the restrictions of the pandemic to interact with one another as Christians and interact with people in order to share the gospel while we have this opportunity before the Lord comes. I believe that right now, right here, right now, uh, we have a window of opportunity that is wide open to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's why we're going to be uh, teaching on praying for the lost, praying for for the lost. If you have your Bibles, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 through 4. And while you're turning or while you're jotting that down, let me say this. Jesus said that we are to raise our eyes and look upon the fields, for they are white unto harvest. They are ripe for the harvest. In fact, he said uh, white unto harvest literally means that, that if we don't get it in, it's going to rot and not be able to be harvested. We have a window of opportunity to pray for and intercede for the lost and to pray that the gospel will have import and impact upon all those who hear it. This is a spiritual war for 
souls. Make no mistake about it. Our enemy does not want one person saved, let alone the tens of thousands that I believe are going to be swept into the kingdom of God just before Jesus comes. Now, I believe that because of God's heart toward the lost today. And we're going to be talking about that. I want you to keep praying and interceding for people who do not know Jesus, not just those that you know in your family circle or your circle of friends and influence, but but praying for people around the world to come to know Christ as their Savior. Praise God. So the first principle in praying for the lost is that the lost are loved by God. The lost are loved by God. Jesus came to seek and to save those who are lost. Listen to Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 9. It says, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. And He did it because He loves people that are sinners. <laughs> he hates the sin, but He loves the sinner. And, and, and there are people that take offense at that. How can He hate the sin and still love the sinner? Amen. Because He's too holy not to hate the sin. And He is too filled with love and compassion not to love the sinner. That's why Luke 19 verse 10 says, For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. I'm going to quote Oswald Chambers here. Listen to it carefully. This is good stuff today. When we begin to intercede and pray for people to come to the Lord. See, this window is open today before I read this quote. The window of opportunity is open if we will seize the day. Amen. And understand what God's will is for us right now. We, we want to see this, this, well, we want to capitalize on what is already happening. People are thinking about God. People are thinking about their mortality. People are thinking about eternity. People are thinking in, in the uncertainties of the future, what is coming next. And it's an opportunity to, to seize the day and pray and intercede that, that where the gospel, that the gospel will have import, that it will go into all the world. That's why we're on the web. That's why I'm, I'm not sitting in my rocking chair <laughs> writing my memoirs. You say, well, who would want to read it? Who are you? Well, listen, friend of mine, there are a lot of ministers that are coming into the ministry uh, that need to know what to expect and how to weather the storms that are surely going to come. Amen. I'm, I'm by the help and grace of God. We are we are surpassing, uh, getting ready to pass 46 year milestone of ministry. Pastor evangelist right here in the city of Tampa at the Holy Church of God <laughs> Incorporated. 
Amen. And we we look forward to celebrating our 58th year will be our next wedding anniversary. So uh, we've weathered the storms that ministry bring that have an impact, uh, sometimes spiritually, many times in, in our marital relationship if we're married and with our children. A friend of mine, I want you to know there is a sufficient grace today, but we need wisdom and we need understanding of the times. We need to be interceding like never before that souls would be swept into the kingdom just before the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to raise our eyes from all of those distracting things around us and look upon the fields that are ripe for the harvest. Praise God. Oswald Chambers, I like this quote. It said, when we pray for others, the Spirit of God works in the unconscious domain of their being that we know nothing about. And the one we are praying for knows nothing about. But after the passing of time, the conscious life of the one prayed for begins to show signs of unrest and disquiet. We may have spoken until we are worn out, but have never come anywhere near and have given up in despair. But if we've been praying, we find on meeting them one day that there's a beginning of a softening in an inquiry and a desire to know something. It's that kind of intercession that does the most damage to Satan's kingdom. It is so slight so feeble seemingly in its initial stages that if reason is not wedded to the light of the Holy Spirit, we will never obey it. And yet it's the kind of intercession that the New Testament places most emphasis on. Praise God. Friend of mine, we need to know and understand today that there are legal grounds upon which we are to pray for the lost. God's love, Christ's sacrifice, create legal grounds to call upon the Lord for their salvation. One writer states, finally, we're given a solid basis for our prayers, the ground of redemption. In reality, redemption purchased all mankind. Now, I want to stop and say this is not universalism we're talking about here, or this person is talking about. Universalism says everybody's going to be saved regardless if they accept Christ, or, and that is absolutely a lie. It is from the pit of hell. Amen. Listen, the devil wants people to think they're saved without true salvation, and we need to clarify that. But has the price been paid? For the salvation of everyone who is lost, yes, it has. It was paid in full at the cross. People still have to come to Christ, repent of their sin, and turn from it to be saved and accept Him. But the price for their salvation, behold the Lamb of God, Behold the Lamb of God, John said, John the Baptist. Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Hallelujah. We are actually God's purchased possession. After we get saved, this is enforced in our life. But it is a truth. Even before we come to Christ, the price to 
buy us back to pay the ransom, hallelujah, has been paid at Calvary. We are God's purchased possession, even though we may still be held by the enemy. We must, as Christians, understand this and through the prayer of faith, claim and take for God in the name of the Lord Jesus that which is rightfully His by the shed blood of His Son and our Savior. This can be done on the ground of redemption. We do not mean to imply that because all persons have been purchased by God through redemption, they are automatically saved. They must believe and accept the gospel for themselves. And this is where our intercession for them comes in. To pray in the name of the Lord Jesus is to ask for or to claim the things which the blood of Jesus Christ has secured. Therefore, each individual for whom prayer is made should be claimed by the name, by name rather, as God's purchased possession in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ on the ground of His shed blood. We are literally pleading the blood of Jesus Christ in behalf of that lost person. We plead the blood of Jesus in our own behalf, and we can plead the blood of Jesus in behalf of others. That's why Billy Graham's crusades were so effective in seeing so many swept into the kingdom of God, so many coming to Christ as their Savior. He would not even come to hold a crusade in a city if the churches and pastors of that city didn't come together uh, uh, many times a year before the crusade and begin to prayerfully intercede for the lost. Because he knew there's, there's going to be a battle. There's going to be a warfare take place for those souls. And prayer is going to be the key to the effectiveness of the message of the gospel. Amen. Why? Be- because the lost are not only loved by God, he wants them saved, but they, they are blinded by Satan. Second Corinthians chapter 4 says, In whom? The God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. You see, Satan, through spiritual blindness, hides the truth of man's lost condition and of God's saving power and person, the Lord Jesus Christ. Second Corinthians Chapter 4 and verse 3 confirms this, but if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. Why is it hid? Even though they might have heard, it's still hid because the God of this world hath blinded their mind to that truth and that reality. Oh, friend, but when we begin to intercede, the scales fall off of the eyes. My son was raised in church. He was a PK, preacher's kid. He was in Sunday school. He was in church, and he chose to go the wrong way. He never, he never saw what, what he needed to see. He never did what he needed to do. 
in his early life, and he ended up going uh, the wrong way, hooking up because he loved music, was an excellent guitarist, and he 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 played in a in a a pop uh, pop pop band that played the popular songs of the day and went from club to club literally from bar to bar and and got involved with his bandmates with alcohol and with drugs and here's how he described when he woke up to the reality of his personal need to receive Christ as his Savior. Amen. Until when I was interceding for him, uh, I couldn't speak to him. I didn't have a relationship with him. Uh, he did not want to be around me. It convicted him to be around me. And and he, although he removed himself, uh, by and large, from my presence, he couldn't remove himself from my prayers. Hallelujah. Praise God. And I never relented to pray for him. Amen. For the scales to fall off of his eyes. And I remember him calling me one day and talking to me about changing his life and, and, and looking to God and receiving Christ. And, and he said, Dad, he said, he said, I went back to a motel room when all of this began, this turning from darkness to light began. I went back to the motel room and I saw uh, people had preceded me there and were already high. Uh, on whatever that made them high, and, and he said it's like a light bulb went on in my in my head. A light bulb came on, and I saw this is not me. This is not where I'm supposed to be. This is not what I'm supposed to be doing. That change began, and it took some years for the full blown conversion to occur but it began when it's like a light came on i put it this way the scales fell off of his eyes and that spiritual blindness praise god you know when when jesus said the spirit of the lord is upon me for he hath anointed me to set the captive free to set at liberty those that are bruised to open the eyes of the blind most of the time when we see that we speak we think of the physical healing because Jesus healed blind people physically but in the context of salvation and what he came to accomplish uh, the eternal uh, ramifications of his ministry the 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 soul that's going to spend eternity somewhere when it said he opens the eyes of the blind it is this work of God in the lives of those who the God of this world Satan little God of this world has blinded the minds of them. There's a battle for the mind because there's a battle for the soul. Praise God. And if we win the battle for the mind, then that person who the scales have fallen off, when they hear the gospel, they have the opportunity to choose light over darkness, to choose God over Satan and Christ over sin. Hallelujah. Praise God. And the gospel is not hid to them any longer. Praise God. The lost are blinded by Satan and an intercessory prayer for the lost that, that the, the Scales would fall off of their eyes that they would begin to see their lost condition and see God's provision through the gospel. 
of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Because they are blinded by Satan, they are also bound by Satan. He holds the lost captive in prisons of spiritual darkness. Ephesians four seventeen through 19 Jesus said He was anointed to set the captive free by opening the eyes of the blind. Hallelujah. Luke 19 and 10 said the or I'm sorry, let me back up. Ephesians 4, 17 through 19. This I say therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, battleground for the soul right here, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. The battle for the soul begins with the battle for the mind. Whoever controls the mind controls the soul. Whoever controls the soul controls the will. And whoever controls the will controls the destiny. Oh, friend, the enemy holds many prisoners in his prison house of darkness. But they can be set free. Though the lost are blind and bound, they can be set free. Hallelujah. Look at 2 Corinthians real quick with me. Chapter 10, verse 3 through 5. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Now look where the strongholds are. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Jesus. Hallelujah. What is a spiritual stronghold? A spiritual stronghold is any area of resistance against the working of the Holy Spirit in a person's life. Every stronghold begins in the mind and heart. And a stronghold reflects an attitude of pride against God. We should claim the tearing down of all the works of Satan, such as false doctrine, unbelief, false teaching, and hatred which the enemy may have built up in their thinking and in their very thoughts, until their very thoughts be brought into captivity to the obedience of Jesus Christ. I remember a sister in our church, Sister Dale, if you hear this, I'm talking about you. I used to sing and I used to get goosebumps on my goosebumps and want to take off my shoes and do a little, little holy dance before the Lord. Amen. We're going up to the high places. We're going up to the high places to tear Satan's kingdom down. 
Amen. When we get into intercession for the lost, we do war in the heavenlies against the God of this world, the little G, the God of this world, the the enemy, the evil one who has influence. And we begin to do spiritual warfare for the lost to be set free. Praise God, a mighty, a mighty and imposing, as mighty and imposing as Satan forces are, they are no match for God's power to save and to deliver. Colossians 1 and chapter 1 and verse 13 says, Who has delivered us from the power of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, hallelujah. God has the love and God has the power to save. And we have the compassion and commitment to pray for the lost. We must have that today. Intercession, intercession is spiritual warfare. Make no mistake about it. Satan trembles when he sees the weakest Christian on their knees. Someone has said that intercession must be persistent, not to persuade God, for redemption is of God, but because of the enemy. Our prayer and resistance are against the enemy, the awful powers and rulers of darkness. It is our duty before God to fight for the souls of them for whom Christ died. Just as some much preach to them the good news of their redemption, so others must fight back the powers of darkness on their behalf. Satan yields only what and when he must, and he renews his attacks in subtle ways. Therefore, prayer must be definite and must be persisted in, even long after definite results are seen. And we must hold what is taken for God against the enemy until such time as that soul is firmly established in the faith. Praise God. Friend of mine, I believe if we will pray together for the lost in our sphere of influence and our families and our friends and people we know that need the Lord, and we Pray anew and afresh with fervent prayer for the lost around the world. And we pray the Lord of the harvest that he would send laborers into the field. For the harvest, Christ said, is great, but the laborers are few. Praise God. And Paul said, pray for me that utterance may be given unto me. He spoke about the spiritual armor. And he said now that you are enabled to do spiritual warfare effectively in Ephesians 6, beginning with verse 10. Amen. All of that armor is on the believer for a powerful purpose. And he said, when you get your armor on, pray for me with all prayer and supplication that utterance may be given unto me. Hallelujah. Praise God. In other words, that when he preached that the word of God would have impact and the powers of darkness would be pushed back so the person 
could have the opportunity to choose without their mind and heart being blinded by Satan and sin. And pray that they would make the right choice and choose to come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and their Savior today. Oh, friend of mine, friend of mine, it's time to begin to pray and to seek the Lord for the lost because Jesus is coming very, very soon. We need to claim them. We need to claim them for Him. And pray for me. Would you pray for me that I may preach the gospel with an understanding like never before, with a compassion like never before, and with a passion like never before. Because the hour is late. And the Bible said to work while it is day, for the night is coming when no man can work. The night is coming. The day is far spent. The night is at hand. And today, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, today is the day of salvation for you. I pray that you will come to know Him you will not run from Him, that you will run to Him, repent of your sin, <sighs> defeat the enemy of your soul, let Jesus into your heart and to your life. The Titanic, in closing, was a cruise ship they thought was impossible to sink. On a tragic night in 1912, the ship struck an iceberg and sank. Many died in that cold Atlantic Ocean. The scene outside the White Star office in Liverpool beggared description a great crowd of relatives of those who had taken passage on that ill-fated vessel thronged the street. On either side of the entrance, a large board had been placed, and upon it was printed, Known to be saved, on one side and the other, known to be lost. Every now and then a man would appear from the office bearing a large piece of cardboard on which was written the name of one of the passengers. As he held up the name, a deathly stillness swept over the crowd and watched to see to which of the boards he would pin the name. You see, there's only two categories, the saved and the lost just as there are in Scripture. God wants your name in the Lamb's Book of Life today. Hallelujah. God wants you to be forgiven, to be reconciled to Him, to live with Him forever. Come to Christ today. Let Him save you. Let Him seal you. And let Him keep you until Jesus comes. In Jesus' name.